Welcome to the Wealth Trifecta, where we explore all things health, wealth, and happiness. This podcast is designed to uplift and ignite your journey to financial independence and lifestyle design. I'm your host, Holly Morphew, personal finance expert, accredited financial counselor, and life enthusiast. True wealth is the convergence of health, happiness, and good fortune. And what I love most about wealth building is that it doesn't matter where you start. What matters is that you start. Wealth is for everyone, and that includes you. Well, hello there, abundant friends. You are listening to The Wealth Trifecta, where we talk all things health, wealth, and happiness. I'm your host, Holly Morphew, and today we're talking to Jen Yuen, founder of the incredible women-only financial community, The Pledgeettes. Jen and I met through a mutual friend, actually a past client, but it seems like all of my clients become my friends. And she told me that I just had to meet this Jen person and she was right. Jen and I share a love of talking about money, what money moves we're both making. And we've shared over the years, our money ups and downs with each other and really supported each other and shared our expertise with one another. And it really is amazing how a rising tide lifts all ships and how the journey can be so much more fun when we're together, but why not ask for help and ask for support? So it's really been a gift to meet Jen. I love what she's doing. It's a wonderful friendship. I'm over the moon about her community, the Pledgeettes, because it is a safe and supportive place for women from all backgrounds and all places on their financial journey from all walks of life to come together wherever they are on their financial journey. We also talked about how time is the best gift when it comes to building wealth, why putting your money where your heart is can change the world, and how if we don't venture out of our bubble, we may be missing out. You can find out more about Jen on Instagram, The Pledgeettes, or LinkedIn, also The Pledgeettes, or thepledgeettes.com. And that's spelled P-L-E-D-G-E-T-T-E-S. I think you're going to love this episode, so let's get to it. Welcome, Wealth Builders. I am so excited to share this special guest with you today. She is a friend and a fellow comrade in financial literacy and financial education. I cannot wait to share what she is up to with you. I want to just give you a little background on Jen before we jump into a conversation Jen serves as a mentor and advocate. She is the founder of the Pledgeettes. And she began the Pledgeettes because she heard from many women that they're going to start investing someday, or that growing up, they were taught to save their money. They weren't taught the benefit of investing in themselves or investing on their own. Jen also saw that women who were confident and clear with their financial goals had these right time, right place conversations. Jen had a number of those conversations and saw the impact it made in her life. Combine these conversations with binge watching The Handmaid's Tale, (laughs) researching the gender income, and more important, wealth gaps, and some infuriating realizations and personal experiences, Jen knew that she had to do something. She built the Pledgeettes to democratize access to financial literacy, build a supportive space for women to evolve their relationship with money 
and create connections so no woman is going after her personal financial goals alone. Jen and her husband have clear financial goals, which include a diverse portfolio of investment property, retirement accounts, and businesses, all while living a minimalist but comfortable lifestyle, including traveling the country in an RV. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to be here because every conversation that we've had does include money. And it's always such a powerful and safe and exciting conversation every time we talk. Yes. And we met through a past client of mine who, when our program wrapped, she said, Holly, you have got to meet this woman. She is phenomenal. And she has this organization called the Pledgettes. And I'm thinking, what is this? And so I looked into it and I was like, I need to know Jen. <laughs> yes, that was such a great connection. And I'm great because now it's been like three years, I feel it's, like. I was thinking about that this morning as I was preparing for this interview. And I've been a member of the Pledgettes now for a couple of years. And it is just such a fun community to be a part of. And, you know, I jumped on to an event that you held last week and I just felt so seen and so safe. And then I got a lot of great ideas and I, you know, and that's what I love about the pledgettes for one. And also just this, this conversation around money is that wealth building truly is a spectrum and it doesn't really matter where you enter the conversation or your path to wealth, you know, whether you've got pretty steady, consistent income and you're able to pay your bills, but you just want more out of life or you're facing a financial crisis, you know, money conversations are so important. And what I love about our friendship that's just been blossoming, and I feel like it's going to continue to blossom as we get to know each other even more, is that we share a passion for talking about money. And it's something that we're both very comfortable with. And so I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your story and why is money important to you? And what was your upbringing as it relates to money? Yeah, I'm extremely grateful for my family. I grew up in a family that openly talked about money. Thanks, mom and dad. Both of my parents had side hustles, even though they weren't called side hustles at the time. And the conversations that I witnessed and was a part of growing up, it was all around making choices. And it was definitely standing in a place of power and making choices with our money. And they weren't all easy choices, but they were choices nonetheless. And to see that it was, that money was something that we control and that we're in charge of versus money controlling us was very powerful. My parents have very different money mindsets. So, and I think their own personal experiences with money. So I also got to witness how to talk about money in a relationship when you have different experiences and when you have a different money mindset. So that was incredibly powerful. And I think my my parents did such a great job of, of teaching us the value of a dollar, whether that was buying cars or my first car I bought was a 1981 Volkswagen Cabriolet, probably still one of my favorite I so cars. I know that owned. car. I can just see you <laughs> cruising down the road in your Cabriolet. Was it a convertible? 
Oh yeah. Of but, course it was. So it was like a manual convertible roof. It was stick shift. It was just, I mean, the, the doors were so thin compared to cars today. It, it probably wasn't that safe, but oh, that was such a wonderful car. So the car was for sale for $1,600. I had saved up $800 from the part-time jobs that I had. And so I asked my parents for an $800 loan and was annoyed that my parents weren't just buying me a car because some of my friends had that luxury of their parents buying them a car. And my parents made me do a PowerPoint presentation to get an $800 loan from them. Why well, I was a good candidate for their, their loan and how I was going to pay it back. But it was like my first loan application and it was a great experience. Again, coming up with like, I have choices. I could get, I don't know, a, a car that wasn't as fun for me or exciting for me for $800, or I could go through this process and, and essentially take on debt and, and have a plan for paying that off. And, and so that was really fantastic for me. And of course, in college and early adulthood, I realized that not every family talked about money that way. And so right before starting the Pledgettes, I was working on some unique financial goals that seemed very untraditional at the time. And I didn't have anyone to talk about it with. And I didn't have the mentorship that I wanted or needed. And even some people in my family didn't understood the goals, but they weren't like in it with me. They didn't understand the milestones and celebrate with me as much as I would like. So I just started having money conversations with women and I would get one of two reactions. One, people would be like, yes, I'm also looking for more women to talk about money or women physically recoiling away from me. And that's very, that's taboo. That's rude. Like we just, we figure this shit out on our own without the help of anyone else and, or money's really stressful. I don't want to talk about it. And so I knew those women needed to be in community. And then I knew I also wanted to bring in alternative perspectives and outside perspectives, because like you shared, wealth building is such a spectrum of what we want, how we want to build wealth, our relationship with money. And so I wanted to bring in all of these outside speakers to share their favorite money topic. You joined us to talk about the money date, which was fantastic. But it's this idea that I don't want people to follow in my footsteps or do what I did plus the opportunities when I really started building wealth 20 years ago compared to today are just very different. So we need to bring in different voices and different ideas and learn new ways and new ideas so that everybody gets their own unique financial goals. Mm, I love that. And, and you do share a diverse array of topics in your events and in your money discussions, as well as a diverse group of people who are coming from all different sides of the financial game, you know, whether it's investing or it's personal finance or it's insurance or it's, you know, wealth building or, you know, there are just so many different directions to go when it comes to money. And I love that, you know, you, you kind of get in where you fit in with the pledgets. You don't have to do everything, but you can do what's important to you. And I also love that we align. It's so, it, it feels kind of magical with you because all the things that have been in my heart for the, you know, 20 years that I've been on my own wealth building journey and, you know, starting to teach financial literacy in 2006, 
you know, for me, it was like, why, why aren't there other people out there having this experience or feeling this way? And, and now that, you know, we've met and we've gotten to know each other, I realized that I wasn't alone, but back then I did feel alone and things really have changed since, you know, the mid two thousands. And I want to dig into that for a minute, because something that I find a lot with, you know, working with lots of different wealth builders is that the world that we're living in today in 2023 is very different. And so I would love, and, and specifically very different when it comes to our ability to build wealth, you know, but putting the wealth gap aside and, you know, the, the gender wealth gap aside for a minute, just looking at, for example, how many more things there are to buy today that are a necessity. And as an example, you know, our parents and our grandparents, they didn't have to buy personal computers to, you know, work. They didn't have to buy cell phones to be connected. And, and when I started teaching personal finance, a cell phone then was, I kind of put that in the gray area of, is it a want or is it a need? But today it's absolutely a need. You know, you go into the library on a weekday and you see a million people using computers. And I love that we have this resource, but could you share a little bit, Jen, with our listeners about, you know, what it's like for, let's just say the average person, because we all kind of start out, you know, just a squirrel trying to get a nut. Right? <laughs> so what is what are some of the challenges that you see that people are facing within the community? That's a great question. What I love about our own financial journey, because money historically has been this taboo topic, we learn about money from our parents who learned about it from our grandparents and our great grandparents. So there was this, this limited set of knowledge that they were working with. Or we learn about it because we get one referral from somebody who can help us with our money. Like the number one question I get asked is who can help me with my money? It's like, well, where are you at and what are your goals? Because someone who is early on in their financial journey could absolutely benefit from an accredited financial counselor who can help with goal clarity, budgeting, doing a debt strategy. Then some other people, have a lot of financial trauma in their life who just there's huge money blocks on receiving money or using money there might be some negative habits whether it's a shopping addiction or a hoarding issue with money and they might need a financial therapist to start if you're kind of in that zone of like i'm doing what i should with my money but i need I want to do more. I want to be more intentional. I want to get into impact investing or helping small businesses in my area and investing in them or disrupting some market in some way. This is a space for that. So we have to go outside of like those typical circles of, okay, we hired one financial advisor. I'm just going to do whatever they say. And hopefully one day they're going to call me and say, you have enough money to retire. Go ahead and quit your job. Or I'm just going to do what my parents did because they're the only people that I've ever talked about money with. So what the Pledgeettes does is we get to hear these perspectives of we have some members that are working on debt payment plans. We have other members that are first-time real estate investors, others that are seasoned real estate investors. We have people investing in peer-to-peer -peer lending or alternative investments. We actually had Last year, we had an event on cryptocurrency, which is not part of my personal strategy. And the year before, we had something on day trading, which 
scared me. Like my heart was racing during it. But once I showed up and I learned, I'm like, oh, that's not as scary as I thought. And this person who's sharing her experience and educating us on day trading is doing it with intention and very clear goals. And she built up her financial literacy, which built up her financial confidence. She started testing things and now she's doing more of it and helping others do it. And I think that's what's cool about community is with the pledgeettes, I want to get you in different circles that are outside of your normal circles to hear from other people because I feel like a lot of people's financial journeys when they share it on social media or in short form content, they always say you could do it too, but they did it in like this 30 second thing of like, what? How, how, do, how do you get from A to Z? Mm -hmm. Like you, you skipped the whole alphabet. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And something that I also really appreciate about the spaces that you create is that it begins with who are you and what do you value? And you know, I also start, I mean, it's the first chapter in my book is, you know, let's get clear on what your values are. So kind of taking into consideration because you're, you are like the queen of goal setting. <laughs> Actually, before we, before I even ask the question about, you know, how do we set financial goals or what's a good financial goal to set? I'm, I would love to hear how you created your first financial goal. And I know that you reached a really big financial goal, like five years before you wanted to reach it. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I love goals. I'm very obsessed with goals, but I will also say I have taken breaks from being very goal driven and obsessed with my goals. And the beauty in that is that I was afforded the opportunity to. So the pandemic really sent me into a tailspin of just what does it all mean and what do I want and what do I really value? It was a very good reckoning time of, of allowing us to just pause and, and refocus because the future didn't seem as predictable as it was when I'm in my usual goal setting, goal getting mode. So last year I didn't have any goals and it was, I know last year, your word was rest. I don't, I didn't even have a word last year. I had nothing last year. I just, blah. I had a lot of therapy last year and a lot of rest and a lot of just, I think being okay with like, not always being such a goal getter. And it really shook with my identity and it, it's been really it was just like laying under a warm blanket all day. <laughs> and But the beauty of building wealth is that there was intentional action that I took in my financial journey for the past 20 years that allowed me to not be so aggressive and assertive in my goals last year. And so I think it's just time is the best gift in building wealth. So taking these seemingly small actions actually afforded me a lot more flexibility and freedom to just take a break from it all. Because I don't think we can be grinding all day, every day. 
we're not meant to do that. That's not the Preach, life I want to live. Sister, <laughs> I am so with you on that. And as I've started to learn more, like open my eyes to, you know, what's bigger than, because safety is like, safety is a core value for me. Like safety and security is really important to me. And I think that that's why this idea of wealth building, you know, became my career. But as I've opened my mind and sort of expanded my own learning on my own quest for happiness, for example, just learning about the patterns that are inherent in nature. And for example, the moon, you know, the moon, you know, it waxes and it wanes and, you know, the patterns that, that is a pattern in and of itself. And similarly to you last year, I also took a huge rest and the masculine side of me, the goal getter side of me yeah. did not like that one yes. bit. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, just thinking in preparation for this interview too, I was thinking about hard work and how, you know, when we set goals, if they're big, you know, big goals, it does take work to reach them. But I think honoring yourself on that path to reaching the goal is really important. So I want to give you a gold star, Jen, for acknowledging yourself and taking some time to rest and create and putting the hard work in when, when you had the energy and the motivation to do it so that you could take a break. Yeah. So I do want to share a little bit about how at other points and chapters in my life, I really was a goal getter. (laughs) (laughs) going back to the original question, but I think even that example I shared at the beginning of the podcast, I'm getting a loan for my parents. That was a big financial goal for me at age 16 to take, make the choice to take on a loan and to create a plan to pay it off and to pay it off and how proud I felt when I hit that milestone of paying it off. And I will say in, in my twenties, I had a lot of career goals and I felt that if I just put my head down hard and worked hard I would get the promotions and the raises and the acknowledgements because they see me working so hard. So I didn't play the game. I didn't, I didn't build my network, which is one of my regrets in my twenties that I have shifted completely in, in my thirties and forties. And so one goal I met my partner in 2015 and in 2016, we started watching those tiny house shows (laughs) We thought, wouldn't it be cool if we lived in a tiny house? But in Colorado, where we both live, it's really hard to live in a tiny house. There's a lot of zoning rules and stuff to work on. And so then we kind of shifted to RV life, which is why we've spent considerable time full-time RVing and traveling is a big value for us, creating these travel experiences and making time and space and a budget for that not budget, but having the money for that. So in 2016, we decided we wanted this passive income goal. We wanted financial independence. We started digging into the FIRE community. And and so we wanted to be financially independent in 10 years. So by 2026, and that goal is still true. And we have celebrated a number of milestones and we just sort of laddered up what that would look like. We still have this big goal by 2026. And we have continued to refine what financial independence looks like for us. And for us, it's choosing work projects without compensation being a top factor. We still wanna work, we still wanna contribute and add value. We still wanna be paid appropriately for our work. 
but we just don't want compensation to be driving how we spend our time and energy. So we did that with real estate and businesses. And with our real estate goal, we started, we moved out of the house that we owned into an RV and lived full-time in the RV and rented out our house as a furnished rental. And at first it was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to get one extra revenue stream? Because you hear millionaires on average have seven different revenue streams. All right, well, let's just get one. And then it was, wouldn't it be cool if we could get $500 a month for three months in a row from this? Wouldn't it be cool if that property could pay for us to rent an $1,100 a month studio? Wouldn't that be cool? So we kept just doing the numbers and laddering up so that we had celebration along the way. Because if I set a 10-year goal and every morning I woke up and was like, did I hit that 10-year goal? No. Hmm. You're going to get no's for 10 years before you finally get one yes. So we have to build in these milestones and these celebrations along the way so we don't get burnt out and tired in the journey because a huge part of building wealth is not only the internal actions that we're taking, but the external factors like market conditions and the economy. And there are going to be some experiences and unexpected things and that happen to us. We can't believe so much that our goals are solely what we do and fully in our control. We have to acknowledge there's external factors that are going to maybe change the timeline of our goal or change how we get to our goal. But when we have a very clear goal, like we did a financial independence by 2026, then the how has a little bit more fluidity and flexibility. And we can acknowledge those external factors and and have fun along the way and celebrate these milestones. Yes. You know, I'm, I am so glad that you brought up the external factors and there are so many on the wealth building journey, whether you're already financially independent and you're just managing your real estate portfolio or your stock portfolio, or you're employed and things are going great, but maybe something happens in the industry that you're employed in, or your company has to make layoffs, or maybe your company goes public and, you know, those options turn into actual money in the market for you. There are just so many external factors that, that affect our money. And I think, you know, at least for me, separating, you know, my money from who I am and separating my work from who I am. And I've chosen a career where I get to put my whole self into my work, but that's certainly not the case for everyone. They can keep those two things separate. And so this quote, and I know that you've, you've probably heard it and maybe you've even said it yourself is that, you know, our, our self-worth does not equal our net worth. I feel like that is a really important place to start for anyone who's wanting to build wealth is to kind of look within. Is that something that you have found in the Pledgets community or have you ever had a speaker that came in and talked about how important it is to value ourselves and maybe thinking about ourselves as an investment, maybe even the most important investment you have? Yeah, I think that's, I think there is a lot of toxic feminist energy that was all very well-intentioned, but the whole idea of like a girl boss that like, oh, be your own boss. Everybody should be their own boss. Like, no, everybody shouldn't be their own boss. Some people can't. If that's one of your goals and you work intentionally to build the skills and to find the niche that you want to serve and, and go for it, I wish you all the success in the world. 
if you know that a full-time career as an employee is the path that you're on and the path you want to go, go do that. You can also build wealth in several different ways. It doesn't have to just be one path of like be a girl boss because you have to. And then I think the, the whole story of like know your worth really rubbed me the wrong way too because so many people say that, oh, the Pledgeettes membership is so cheap. You need to like increase your prices. And how many times do you hear like, women business owners being told that they have to increase their prices and tying that to your worth is, is not a message that ever resonated with me because there's so many external factors that determine what is appropriate to pay for the candle that you make or the copywriting service that you provide. There are these market rates it depends on the clients and the industries that you want to support and what their ability to pay is and what their budgets are. There are many choices that we're making because as a solopreneur, serving individuals is a different price point than serving companies, being B2C versus B2B. That's a choice that we're making. The type of industry that you work with, if you prefer to work with nonprofits versus Fortune 500 companies, that's a different choice that you're making. And so I think to, to simplify anything with wealth building into three words of know your worth it, it is toxic to people on their own financial journey. So I love what you said about like, my identity is not the, the hourly rate that I charge or the price of the Pledgeettes community or what I charge people to rent in our rental properties or how much we charge for food at our restaurant. Like that's not our worth. Our worth is, are we spending our time, money, and energy in alignment with our values and our big financial goals? That's what's meaningful to me. Oh, I love your clarity on this, Jen. And I actually, as a solopreneur myself have really, I would say in the beginning, I struggled with, you know, how do I price my offerings? And, you know, of course I've gotten the, the same messaging, you know, know your worth and charge what you're worth. And it is really important to me that those who are seeking financial literacy and education and who want to build wealth, get that education. And if they want a coach that they get set up with the coach that is right for them. And I've had you know, because I am a solopreneur and I just, I love the idea of expansion and dreaming big and like going for the big goals. Of course, I've participated in lots of coaching programs myself. Cause I always wanted to be a coach who had a coach, right? Yeah, yeah. So like really walking the talk. And so as a result, I've had lots of fantastic coaches over my career and I've had three coaches say, Holly, you need to increase your prices. You need to increase your prices. And and of course, you know, my pricing has gone up over the years of my, as my programs have gotten even better, et cetera. But I've had clients, you know, when I say, you know, and this is the price for my one-to-one -one program, say, that's it. And, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, am I not charging enough? But then I go back to what is it that I value and what is my purpose here? My purpose is to help people with their money. And yes, I want to make money as an entrepreneur. Financial Impact is a for-profit organization that happens to donate 10% of its time to nonprofit events and speaking, et cetera. And so finding some peace and some, just some flow with, you know, how I price my offerings 
it comes down to what feels right for me. And is it worth it for me to spend my time doing this based on what it is that I value? And so kind of going back to something you just said, Jen, and I know this from our conversations is that you're a real estate investor and something that you're really proud of and not just proud of, but I think it brings you joy is that you have one property in particular that you've had a long-term tenant and they're paying below market rent. Do I have that right? You do. We actually have two properties now that are below market rent. And that's a huge part of, this is my favorite thing about being an investor is I get to invest in what I want and how I want. And so sure, there's a lot of different parameters around it of, I do need to earn enough to cover the bills. I need to earn enough if my goal is to buy another property and get another loan is to have enough profit of my current investments so that the bank does give me another loan. So there's a lot of factors in determining how we invest, but I am very proud that half of our half of our properties are below market rent properties. And how do we get to do that? Well, I started making intentional choices 20 years ago. And the property that you know about is something that I own in a self-directed IRA. So the 13 years that I worked full-time of contributing to get the maximum match from my companies, I took all of that money that was invested for several years. I moved it to a self-directed IRA. I bought a condo with that. It had an existing tenant and I checked the rent prices recently and there's a few condos in his building are renting for 1400 to 1800 a month and he's paying 950 a month in rent and with that i paid off that i had a small mortgage on that through the self-directed ira and i paid off that mortgage last year congratulations thank you it's huge <laughs> yes. that's the first mortgage i've ever paid yes. off that was, yes. and what was so cool is when i called the bank to pay it off they congratulated me and then because my bank through my mortgage was also paying my taxes and insurance, I had to call the insurance company to say, I need to pay that this out of the, my bank account directly. She also congratulated me for paying off my mortgage. And then I just paid the property taxes on that place last week. And so it's just also every milestone you have to you get to learn more and you get to do more, hopefully with more confidence. And so I'm I'm just continually learning on this process. And so some people do say like, oh, I want to invest in below market rent properties too. And it's not easy to start there. But if you have that long-term goal and maybe you start and you do a furnished property, like you rent out a spare bedroom to start building up the wealth to do that, you eventually can do it. You can do anything with time, intention, and action, but I'm very proud that we're doing it. And I actually, I get to meet more people who are investing in that way. And I get to have more conversations with people who are like, oh, I don't want to be a real estate investor because there's so much institutional money in it. And I don't want to take away properties from first-time home buyers or people who would live as a primary resident. And I just get to remind them that as an investor, you get to choose how you're investing. My tenant in Golden is never going to be a property owner, but he gets to live in a condo that he's lived in for 10 years. He's 80 years old. He's a construction flagger as his job. And he gets to stay in his home instead of potentially an institutional investor buying his property and 
kicking him out to double the red. Right. And why is it important to you to, to have below market rent on properties that you own? Why, why does that light you up? <sighs> because it's so freaking cool. Like that is a huge choice I get to make. I believe that our communities, they need choices that people need choices on where to live and people should not be unhomed from their property just because they chose to rent instead of home. So for me, it's really about giving others the choice. And my partner and I were working on our legacy statement around, we don't need to be widely known, but we want to make a bigger impact on the, on the few that are in our circle. And so we're not trying, I'm not trying to buy the whole Denver metro area and own all the real estate everywhere. I want to find these properties where we inherit tenants and we let them live in their communities. And so our other property has a restaurant worker in in there. And that's important to us because we were previously a restaurant owner and taking care of hourly workers and having them live close to work benefits everyone. Mm, yes, I love that. So what would you say to the listener who's hearing our conversation right now, who's thinking, wow, you know, Jen is, she has so much and she's living this beautiful life. And how do I get there? Like, what would be a great first step for someone who does also want to one day be an investor or one day be financially independent? I would, one of my favorite questions, there's two ways you can ask yourself to get to the same answer is one, what would you do if you won the lottery? Or two, what would you do if you didn't have to earn money? And that is a big financial goal. What I love about the lottery question is everyone I've met has an answer for that. And very few people actually buy lottery tickets. But what those two questions do is they get to unlock part of our brains to really dig into our big financial goal. What do What is it that we want to do on this earth? Because so many financial goals feel like very like, oh, because we should, we should pay off our debt. Oh, we should pay off our student loans. Oh, we should buy a house or we should ask for a raise. And that just, if there's no joy or meaning or intention behind it, if it's somebody else's goal that they put on us, there's not a lot of motivation to take the action to achieve that goal. But when we really get into the heart of what's important to us, I hear like from the, well, let me just ask you, what would you do if you won the lottery? Uh, well, it's interesting because I actually have been asking myself this question lately because I'm in a new relationship. We've been together for about eight months. We're living together now and he loves to buy lottery tickets. And this is something that, again, going back to how we were raised, my parents did not buy lottery tickets. And my mom would always say, once you spend a dollar, it's gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was kind of like frowned upon. And, you know, as yeah. I've gotten older, I've started to evaluate my own money stories. And I'm realizing like, did, does this serve me or does this not serve me? Am I just yeah. thinking this? Cause I've thought it over and over again for my whole life. And so anyway, lottery tickets back to my new relationship. He loves to buy lottery tickets and it's really fun to play. And we always talk about what we would do 
if we won the lottery. But what I've started to do, because I still cringe a little bit because the odds are so not in your favor, <laughs> is that yeah. I told him that for every dollar that he spends on lottery tickets, I'm going to put that same amount into a high yield savings account. Yes. And let me tell you, that high yield savings account is growing, girl. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but you know, for us, it, we always talk about it. It's like we would pay off. So, you know, I have properties, they, I still have loans on them. So I pay off all my properties. I'd pay off, you know, my brother's house. I'd pay off my sister's condo. I'd pay off my parents' properties. And, and I guess, because my next question for you was going to be then, you know, once you know what you would do, if you won the lottery is the next step then to take action toward that. Yes. <laughs> because you don't have to win the lottery to achieve this goal or a version of the goal. If your goal is to pay off your mortgages and then start to pay off your parents and your family's mortgages, you get to do that because you're going to intentionally, you have a choice that you're making with every dollar. I like your mom's quote. I've never heard that, but I get the sentiment, but I, it, it is a good question. Does this serve me or not? Because I believe that we're making a choice with every dollar. We can save it, spend it, invest it, donate it. We're making an, an intentional choice with every dollar. Of course, we have our needs budgets and our want budgets, our fixed expenses, our variable expenses. We are all making these choices. And when we stand in that choice, then our options grow. Because my, my partner and I, as we set this financial independence goal, we moved from a two-bed, two-bath house to a two-bed, two-bath condo to a one-bedroom condo to our RV, and then we moved into a studio apartment together. And so these were choices that we made. And like in my bio, I want to live a minimal but comfortable life. I don't feel like I'm sacrificing anything, and I've actually found a lot more freedom and joy and I feel lighter when I don't have as much stuff to manage, insure, protect, keep safe, clean. When I have less, it's better for me. So then I can start taking action towards that lottery big goal of paying off my debt. So I paid off a mortgage last year. I would do something similar. So if, you know, whether it's to, I want to treat my family or friends to an extravagant vacation, you can do that. Just start making those choices and, and taking action today to achieve that goal. You know, if you want to give all your money to a certain organization, start researching donor advised funds, work with your financial advisor on creating a donor advised fund and, and start taking action towards that. Because life is not about dying with the most amount of money or the highest title or the most kids. It's about your unique goal, your big financial goals, because every goal is a financial goal and taking action to achieve that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I love that you just brought up defining financial success for you because it really does look different for everyone. Everyone. I mean, some yeah. people might say financial success for me is earning Actually, I was at an event a, a few weeks ago and, and the speaker asked the audience, what, what is success to you? And he, he wasn't talking about financial success, but she answered, she wanted to make six figures on her own. So not, you know, with money, I guess that her husband brings in or money that she gets from her job. Like she wanted to make six figures on her own. And I thought, wow, you know, that's, that's some clarity there, but for other people, financial su success might be just having enough income each month from 
you know, passive sources that they can go live on a beach in a tent. Yeah. You know, and that's perfectly fine too. And the beauty too about big financial goals is that they can evolve because I used to want to live in an Airstream full-time, got to do that, still want to do that full-time, but my partner doesn't want to do it full-time. So now we get to evolve of like, well, what's the next chapter? What's the ultimate goal? And what does it all look like? And we, we just get to keep making choices. So in my financial journey, like in my 20s, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do with my life, but I knew that money would help me achieve my goals. So I did what I should with my money. I spent less than I made. I contributed to, to my 401k to get the maximum company match. I paid down my mortgage. I signed up for the mortgage payment plan where you make 26 payments a year in so oh, you, yes. you make two extra mortgage payments mm -hmm. every year because you're doing it every two weeks instead of twice a month or once a month. And that just goes straight to principle. So I took these actions throughout my life to have, because I knew as I built up wealth, I would have more freedom and flexibility. I took a sabbatical in 2010 and lived in Peru for seven months. Mm. I got to make these choices. I got to leave full-time work and, and start a business. And, and I think along the way, like, if you're not sure, start with your lottery dream, make a version of that, take some action and keep checking in with yourself. And as it changes, change. Mm. So many nuggets from <laughs> you, Jen. Oh my gosh, you are such a treat. Okay. Last question for you before we say goodbye, what does wealth mean to you? I love to say that at its base level, money is choice. If I have a dollar, I can save it, spend it, invest it, donate it. As I build wealth, I get more freedom and flexibility. And at its highest level, those with the most wealth have power and control. And so wealth is about how much money you have and your net worth and assets minus liabilities, because some days I'm just so fiscal and that's what it is. But my wealth gives me choices in my life and gives me freedom and flexibility. And I want to shift where wealth sits in this world, because I know that when women hold more wealth, they build healthier and wealthier communities. And that's the future I want to live in. So I don't need to build wealth for me because I don't want the power and control of how our society operates. And we see this with the uber wealthy billionaires. I mean, the amount of power and control that Jeff Bezos has over governments or over infrastructure with shipping packages and over retail with warehouses. I mean, that's a, that's a slippery slope, but he gets that power and control because of his wealth. And he got that by extracting, by paying workers less than what they were producing. So extracting value from people and products in so many, in every opportunity he could. I don't need the most wealth. I have enough. I'm confident that I will always have enough in my financial journey and in my life. But I want more people who think about healthy, wealthy communities to have more wealth. So we're building healthier, wealthier communities. I don't want it to sit with the uber rich and one person's making all the choices. Yes. Well. Together, we can go far. Yeah, my favorite <laughs> African proverb. <laughs> of course, to, I said that. <laughs> to go. I had no idea that was your favorite, but you know, synchronicity is 
a wonderful thing. Yeah. To go fast, go alone, to go far, go together. And so I'm grateful that you and I get to go far together and as well as the members of the Pledgeettes and everyone listening today, I hope this was a right time, right place, money conversation in your financial journey. Yes. And we have a special offer for you in the show notes. We're going to share a link where you can join the Pledgeettes and get a 25% discount on your membership. So thank you, Jen, so much for that. And I just, again, I want to thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your words of wisdom with our listeners. Do you have any final words that you want to leave them with? I will say we end every Pledgeettes event with discussion is important, but action is what builds wealth. So I would challenge all of you to take one action based on this conversation that you heard today, whether it's going and talking to a friend and asking what they would do if they won if they won the lottery or examining your values setting a financial goal taking one of those financial actions that you feel like you have been on the list for too long that you know will help you get closer to your goal and to celebrate that mm. yes jen thank you so much thank you thank you so much for listening to the wealth trifecta If you loved this episode, please give it a five-star review and share it with your friends. Tune in again and find me on the socials at Holly Morph, where I share freebies, events, and inspiration. I always love to hear from my listeners, so please say hello. If you're looking for financial coaching, check out my website at financialimpact.com. Be sure to join my list and stay up to date with all my offerings, including private coaching, small group coaching, financial retreats, and more. Until we meet again, be healthy, be wealthy, and be happy.